0: magnify you father we could never thank you enough we could never praise you enough for Jesus and father's our desire that the name of Jesus would be lifted up in our hearts and our lives and in our midst and Lord we never tire praying to pray this prayer Lord help us get this job done even so Lord Jesus we bid thee come father we pray these things in Jesus name and all God's people said amen, amen. well good morning everyone and welcome to the Fredonia edition of Family Church, one of ten locations, meeting throughout New York, Pennsylvania, Europe. And let, let's just get the whole world while we're at it. Amen. Yes. Wouldn't it be wonderful to have a missionaries all over the world planted from the family churches? And so uh, I, I think that's a, a worthy goal. I think Jesus would be pleased with that. Praise the Lord. So uh, we welcome each and every one of you. We especially want to welcome any first-time guests we may have. We're just thrilled to have you here at Family Church. The name Family Church uh, means welcome home. You're part of the family. And if we had a red carpet, we'd roll it out for you. But we got something better than red. This is kind of a gold color, so we're rolling out the gold carpet. So welcome. We're so glad you're here, return guests, and all those watching via live stream all the world uh, through the Internet. So we welcome all of you. And those watching online, whatever we're doing here, go ahead and do there, and you'll receive the, the most out of the service. Well, without any further ado, let's go ahead and and dismiss our kids to their program. If they have not gone already, go ahead and go. And for the rest of us, if you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and turn to the book of Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. Several weeks ago, we began a new series entitled A Super- natural supply. And uh, from the get-go, we, we made mention of why uh, we're going and teaching along this line. Of course, number one, the number one reason is this, this has been on my heart for weeks, even months, just months and months, probably even from the beginning of the year I was doing some meditation along this line. So I knew sometime during this year we were going to be able to, you know, give utterance to this. And so I believe that the Lord wants us to hear these things. Uh, But also, as the world has unveiled and unfolded since then, since last year, you know, know, the prices of everything have gone up. I mean, doubled, some things tripled and and so forth. And, uh, you know, if you just look at the natural state of things... uh, your heart can grow afraid. It could be full of fear and wondering. You know, how am I going to live? How how can I survive this? Gas prices are going up, and, and so forth. But uh, the important thing is for us to think right in these days of what the Bible says concerning a supernatural supply. The Bible says we do not look at the things that are seen but the things that are unseen. Well, the things that are seen are the natural state of things, uh, the prices, inflation, shortages. Uh, you know, we were just looking at some things, and every, everybody seems to be short of, of things. And, uh, uh, you know, if you just look at those things, you, you're going to feel like, man, you're going to be short of things. You're going to come up lacking but uh, all through the Bible, we've seen that God uh, supplies his people no matter what goes on in the world. And actually, God looks for the opportunity. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 69 that God searches the whole earth looking for an opportunity to show off, to show himself strong. And so God wants to show off. He wants to show himself strong in these days. And uh, he's looking, and uh, I'm going to raise my hand. and it says uh, right here. Right here, you have an opportunity, and I believe all of us. And that's why we're teaching uh, these things. And uh, God will always take care of his children. But it's important that we think right, because if we think right, we're going to believe right. If we believe right, we will have the right kind of things. And the second uh, reason for this series is uh, this beautiful building, Magnificent. Um, You know, we we did renovations and we had church fire and we re-renovated it. And it's certainly a place of excellence, a a place worthy of the Lord. But we still over just over a million dollars on it. So it's just really strong in my heart that uh, we get that taken care of. Now, uh, again, we're looking at a supernatural supply, God. Let us, God guided us in the building. You know the story. I didn't want to buy it, but the Lord told me to buy it. And so, where God guides, He supplies. And so, we're believing together uh, during this time. It wouldn't be wonderful as the world is saying, Doom, gloom, and agony on me, shortages here, shortages there. This is our finest hour, and we get this building taken care of. And that way, we can just use that money and just start. Working the fields, amen, and get, getting a great harvest in. But, uh, you know, the Bible says "Don't no man anything. So we want to really focus on getting these debts paid off. So we're releasing our faith on that. And so, uh, and then we may mention we have the Miracle Crusade. How does this all tie in? Well, we're believing uh, as a church to um, raise $30,000 to help them with expenses. They come at their own expense uh, you know they they fly here hotels rent of cars and and so forth they still have payroll and things like that and so it is a great opportunity for us to sow a seed as a church and we're not going to take much time with this but put people in remembrance of these things that uh, we want to raise thirty thousand dollars and make that a seed towards a miracle crusade and the harvest of that seed would believe to go towards this building just to help annihilate that debt and so as people give of course they'll receive a personal harvest as we give as a church uh, we're going to receive a harvest, and we want that harvest towards the building. And so uh, we're just trusting that everybody is following their hearts, what they want to do. Um, how much was raised? 4700 Okay. 4700 I put 4500 in myself already. And so, praise the Lord. I got, I, uh, my, my goal is $6,000 between me and my organization. And so, but I, I know what you're doing. You're praying. You're seeking God. And, you know, you have to August 1st. And so, it will come in. Praise Amen. the Lord. But what if you don't have any money? Again, for those of you visiting, I'm, this is This is home business. You know, if you were in a home and you had to repair your roof, you would talk, you Now, how, how are we going to pay the roof? What, what should we do? Should we go on vacation, not go on vacation, pay the roof? And so this is a little bit of home business. So if you're visiting, we, we don't talk about these things all the time, but uh, this is just a little bit of house business here. But if you have no money, this is a great thing. Second Corinthians nine ten. Now he that ministered seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sowed, increase the fruits of your Righteousness, and so um, here God says He'll give seed to the sower. And so, all of us can ask God for seed if you absolutely have no money, I have not sent to my name. You're a perfect candidate for God to show Himself strong. So, have, have a figure in your heart, and say, God, I ask you for this amount of seed, and God will give seed to the sower. And so, I trust that all of us are getting involved in this. And it's a wonderful thing that here God can give you seed. You plant that seed and you'll multiply that seed as if it was your seed that began with, and uh, it's a win-win situation. So uh, we just want to put people in remembrance of that, and also prayer. We're going to be praying after the service and Monday night prayer. Not this Monday because of a holiday, but we're we're praying, bringing both a natural and supernatural supply. So the commercial is over. I said all that just to give you time to find Matthew chapter seventeen. Matthew chapter 17. And starting with verse 24, and when they Jesus and his disciples were come to Capernaum, they that received the tribute or tax money came to Peter and said, "Doth not your master pay taxes?" You got to love that King James double negatives. Now, I remember in English when you have two negatives it makes it a positive, if I remember. So, what it's saying, "Does your master Pay taxes. And of course, Peter said, Yes, he does. And when he has come to the house, Jesus' house, uh, Jesus prevented or stopped him, saying, What are you thinking on? How are you thinking, Simon, of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute, of their own children or of strangers? Peter said to him, Of strangers. Jesus said unto him, Then the children are free, notwithstanding lest we should offend them, go into the sea, cast a hook, take up the fish that first cometh up, and when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money, take and give unto them and uh, for me and for thee. And so we've been using this account to look at God's supernatural supply. Now, there are many, many cases from Genesis even to the book of Revelation of how God takes good care of his people. But why have we singled out this account? We may mention that the book of John says if all the miracles, if all the teachings of Jesus were recorded in the Bible, the, the Bible would be too big. I mean, you know, to be this thick and, and you know, we'd, we'd have to just, uh, you know... Hire people to carry our Bibles because they'd be so big. But the the accounts that are recorded were recorded for a purpose. They were hand selected by the Holy Ghost. That way, we would know some things and we would believe some things. So this account was hand picked by the Holy Ghost so that we can learn some things. And the first thing we drew your attention, real quick for review, is that uh, when Peter was asked about paying taxes. He answered correctly, but he was thinking on something. Evidently, having to pay taxes, or maybe how are we going to pay this tax? Uh, Why should we pay this tax? You know, he, he was thinking on something. Now, the Bible does not say what he was thinking on. But we know that it was wrong. Because Jesus had to correct his thinking. Have you ever had something come up and you started thinking on it? You got, a, you got a bill you weren't expecting. How One of the first things you do, you start thinking about that bill. How am I going to handle this bill? Why should I pay this bill? This should be free, bless God. You know, whatever. You know, we, we all have our thoughts. It's a natural part of being human. But uh, it was very interesting that uh, it was important to the Master that Jesus corrected Peter's thinking. And... Um, Notice what happened when Jesus corrected his thinking. That once he got his thinking straightened out, God was able to supply the need supernaturally. And that's what we're looking at, a supernatural supply. Allowing God to supply our needs the way he wants to supply our needs. And the reason we use this account, uh, first of all, it wasn't a very big need. We all have needs. You know, we, some of them are very small. You know, we, we had need of breakfast this morning. We have need of gas money. You know, we, we all have needs, and they can seem very small. Um, but God is interested in the small things as well. Uh, my God should supply all of your need. He didn't just say the real big ones that you can't handle. He says all of them. So God has to supply for the big, the medium size, the small, and anywhere in between and a simple coin was able to pay off the taxes. But yet, God wanted to supply that very simple need, and he supplied it supernaturally. They, they could have just paid it with the money they had at hand. If you studied the ministry of Jesus, he had large sums of money. He was a traveling evangelist. He, he supported a staff of 12. He had a treasurer that was taking money freely from the, the kiddies, so to speak. You know, if you had $4 to your name and someone takes a dollar you would notice it so evidently uh, Jesus had large sums of money you know that you know you travel with and help people with and so forth and they could have just naturally gone to default mode what is default mode we all have a default mode you know what it is you know a bill comes in a need comes in Default is we go immediately to our checking account, we look to our assets, uh, assets, and we see if we have enough supply to annihilate the need, and we we default on that. And if we don't, then uh, we either do credit or we start selling things. We we have a, a default. How are we going to supply that need? And maybe that's what Peter was thinking on. Oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to have to go to Judas. Me and Judas don't get along too well. He's very tight with the money, and then I'm going to have to fill out a spending memo. You know, I, I, I just assume, you know, borrow it from someone else. Who knows? He could, have, he could have just naturally took care of that. And if he would have took care of it naturally, God would not have taken care of it supernaturally. You know, he could have just paid it, and it, it wouldn't even have been recorded. But because... Jesus corrected his thinking it opened up for God's supernatural supply in the matter. That's what we're looking at. Uh, Not to always go to default mode. Now, don't get me wrong. If you're going to Walmart and you have a shopping cart, you know, you ought not just to be walking around and says, I'm going to wait for God to pay for my groceries. You know, we're, we're talking... You know, use wisdom, common sense, but but there are things in life that maybe we can pay. Maybe your tax bill, maybe a project coming up, and maybe you've saved, Bonnie. Uh, You know, we ought to just pause for a moment and, and say this, Lord, you know, I, I could do it this way. This is, this is my default mode. This is how I'm planning to take care of it. But you want to supply all my needs. Do you have a different way that you want to supply this? I, I know this, the Lord has told me... Um, You know, at at times, don't go out and buy that. Believe me for it. You know, I I could have just paid for it on my default mode. But the Lord wanted me to believe him for it. How many know faith pleases God? And God gets glory when we allow him to work in these areas and to supply all of our needs. And we need to know that God is no respecter of persons. What he has done for one, he will do for all. But uh, the important thing is that we think right about these things. Because if we think our default mode, that's what we're going to get. And it's going to shut off God's supernatural supply. We, we took time, and we're not going to look at it, but we, we have newer people all the time. In Matthew 6, 25 through 34, Jesus said this, that he had a supernatural supply. God God knows the things you need of. He feeds the birds. He clothes the lilies of the field. He will take better care of you. He will supply your needs greater than any bird. But very interesting, between verse 25 and 34, five times, and it's on the over screen, this is the first one, it says this, oh, bad! they had it and I took it off. Um, Verily, Jesus says unto you and me, take no thought. Notice the correlation. Thinking and the supply of God. Now Jesus didn't address it once, he didn't address it twice. Now three times. If it was three times, you know, three strikes and what? You're out. But five times between Matthew five a, 4, 20, a 6, 25, and through verse thirty-four, five times he addresses how we think about the supply. So is it important to think right? Well, according to Jesus, yes. Uh, A scripture we'll just refer to real quick, Proverbs 23.7, if you could put that on the overhead screen. And we make reference to this, but we want you to see Proverbs 23.7, excuse me, 23.7, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What's that saying? As you think, so are you. It, you know, and we, we understand this in all aspects of life. If you think yourself is a, a unworthy, a miserable, poor person, an unworthy person, I can't do anything right. Everything I do fails. How I many if you think that way? That, that way is going to show up in your life. And so this is a law. And this is why Jesus was talking about the supply. Because if you're thinking small, you're going to receive small. If you're thinking default mode and only what you have at hand, that's all, as you think, that's all you're going to have. But if you can change your default thinking and begin to think like God thinks, think his thoughts, think in line with his word, and allow a supernatural supply in your life, you can have more. Now, Isaiah 55, uh, verses eight through nine. we'll look at the overhead screen. Isaiah 55:8. Th- this is the words of God. Verse eight, "For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Pause, on hold. All right? Peter, about the tax money, had his thoughts. He was thinking his thoughts of how to handle it, what should be done or shouldn't be done, why do I not pay it and it should be ten I did, you know, whatever he was thinking on. Those were his thoughts. They weren't Jesus' thoughts. Jesus had to get Peter lined up with the thoughts of God. And so here, again, we're looking at thoughts. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, your ways. Our ways default mode. How we're going to handle it. If, if we don't have it on hand, we start selling, buying, put it on credit, whatever. And verse 9 tells us how different God's thoughts and ways are from ours. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. As a man think, it's so is he. So if we think... Our natural thoughts will live a natural life, and we will shut off God's higher ways because we're not thinking his thoughts. And so again, that's why it's important to think right. Because you go back to that story of Peter. I don't think Peter was thinking, you know what? We got to pay tax money. I'm just going to go fishing, and I'm going to get coins out of the fish's mouth, and I'll pay the bill that way. I guarantee you, Peter was not thinking like that. Peter was thinking naturally default mode, like we do. And we, there's nothing wrong. how I mean, you know, you know, you should have some capability to keep a ledger, you know, and uh, to be able to keep your, your books in the black and, and so forth. But you have to understand that your, your checkbook and your calculator does not have the God supply button added to it. You know, and so Peter may have been calculating how to pay it, and that was his thoughts, but God's, God wanted us to want him to see bigger. And God wants us to see bigger, higher than the earth. And so God, God wants to supply our needs supernaturally. And so we got to allow them by thinking right. And so we, we've been on a journey together. We we looked at uh, God's original intention of man. That God made a full supply in the earth when he created uh, man. The supply was already there. And he, he made paradise, the Garden of Eden. And that was God's original intent. And we also looked at this, the famous Lord's Prayer. That many of us in our old churches, we would say it every Sunday. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and what? Thy will be done on earth. As in heaven. Even the most traditional uh, churches. We we prayed that every Sunday. You know, we, we didn't know what we were praying, but we prayed every Sunday. But Jesus, Jesus said that this prayer is whatever's going on in heaven is God's will. And God wants his will that's going on in heaven to be done in the earth. And we, we just for a moment looked at heaven. We saw there's no sickness and disease in heaven. No, no, no. There's no poverty. There's no shacks. There's no want and lack. You know, we, we get all giddy. Oh, if we get a gold ring or a gem on a ring, God paves the road with that stuff. You know, doorknobs, you know, are made of jewels. And, and it says even God's, in God's house, the, these huge doorways are made of a single pearl carved. And so God thinks differently. Heaven on our thoughts is excessive. That's way too much. God, you know, we we think Home Depot. We want to build a house. Go to Home Depot. Go to Lowe's. Go go to this supply place. God, God don't think that way. God thinks Kirk's jewelers. And Kirk's don't have it. You go to Reed's. You just go all the older and you buy all these jewels and that's what you make your house out of. Now, again, balance. I'm not telling you to go out and start building a house of gold. You're not replacing all your your doorknobs with rubies and, and diamonds and so forth. But all I want us to see is God's thoughts and ways are higher than ours. God wants more of heaven on the earth. But what is the key? We must think right. As a man thinketh, so is he. And so, let's, let's take this a step further. We do review, we build on review, we interject. And uh, let's start looking at the supply of God. And let's look at a beloved psalm that I, I believe that all of us here know it. It may be our favorite, may not be. But even those that don't know Jesus may have this psalm somewhere in their house. And it's Psalm 23. And so turn with me to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Now the Bible is God's thoughts. The Bible is God's ways. The Bible is God's will. The Bible is not just a book for something we read, just kind of ease our conscience and say uh, we read the good book. No, this is the book of life. It's a living thing that contains the very essence of God, the very thoughts and ways of God. Uh, God's word is one with him. God watches over his word to perform it. That God, When God says something or declares something's word, he watches over it. He says it will happen. It, it will not come back to him void. And so when we look at the word, we're seeing the thoughts of God the will of God. And so Psalm 23 shows, shows us the thoughts and ways of God concerning supply in our life. Let's start with verse 1. It's a beautiful psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, we, we could just read that and go home and say we were blessed. That, what, a, what a beautiful psalm. I just wish we we had time to to look at verse by by verse. Maybe sometime we'll do that. Actually, a good friend of mine, uh, Dr. Scott Webb, you know, in his church, this is what the Lord has laid on him to teach on for this year, Psalm 23. And again, it fits concerning what's going on in the world to help us to think right, help us to believe right about God's supply in our life. Psalm 23, of course, is in the Old Testament, but it, it is a prophetic psalm uh, concerning the church age, or the age we live in. Um, if you look at Psalm 22, the the chapter before it, it is prophetic concerning the the crucifixion. We see it, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so it's prophetic of Jesus dying on the cross, chapter 22. And then the chapter after 23, 24, it says the earth's lords and the fullness thereof. It talks about the millennial Reign of Christ, the thousand years when Jesus returns on earth. So you have 22, the crucifixion, and 24, the millennium, when Jesus comes again, and uh, 23 is right smack dab in the middle. What is it? That is the church age. That's the age we live in, and it tells us not only the age that we're to live in and how we are to view of this age and how we are to live in this age and again, prophetically it's not there just to give us a little tear and say boy that's so beautiful but it has no application in my life no these are the words of God so let's look at it real quick it starts off with the Lord is my shepherd and we know David was a shepherd and he understood these things and as he was a shepherd to his sheep the Lord uh, was David's shepherd and, and he could boldly say the Lord is my shepherd but we know in the New Testament and we can see why it's prophetic um, in the New Testament John 10 11, it says this and Jesus makes this declaration over us I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd gives us life for the sheep again pr- prophetically so when David is saying, not only is he looking at his own life of God's goodness, prophetically he's talking about all of us, we are all the Lord's sheep, we hear his voice, and we can boldly say like David, the Lord is my shepherd. You know, if you're born again, the Lord is your shepherd, you are his sheep, and, and in John 10, there's much about that correlation of the shepherd and the sheep and how we are part of this flock and and this care that he gives us life for us. But notice in this prophetic, not pathetic, prophetic psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, then it starts telling us what we should expect if Jesus is our shepherd. The promises of God, the provisions of God. Notice the first thing it says If the Lord is my shepherd, I shall be full of want. You know, full of cares, full of worries, always needing, never having enough. No, it says, I shall not want. There's no greater assertion in English language than I shall or I will. In this case, it's negative. I shall not. That means it's impossible. If the Lord is my shepherd. For me to want. Very interesting. First thing. Usually the first thing is, is very important. So David here prophesying about our age. If the Lord is our shepherd. The first thing that's going to show up in our life. That we shall not. Shall not want. Now again it's important that we understand what it's saying. Because you can interpret the Bible. And just say anything you want to say. And you could look at that, especially in the King James, and you could look at the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. And you can interpret it in a very religious mindset, a very negative mindset. You know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That means I should not covet. I should not uh, want anything beyond my humble means. That uh, humble and meager is a lot for my life, and it's his will for my life. But that's not what he's saying. That's not what David is saying. You know, it didn't, it didn't say the Lord is my shepherd. I'm full of wants, but I'm content with my wants. I'm content with it. No, I, I won't. In the Hebrew, the Old Testament written in Hebrew, want here means to lack or be without. And so when he's saying the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. I shall not be without. Again, this is not man's interpretation this is the Bible. This is what God is communicating to us. When Jesus said, "I am the good shepherd," this is what He's talking about. You understand what a good shepherd is. You know, a good shepherd is not one. If we were to have a shepherd come out, followed by his sheep, through through this exit uh, entrance here, and all of a sudden, th- this shepherd has the latest. Fashions of robes. The the greatest. He, he's got his name his name engraved in his staff. Maybe a little ruby or diamond. You know he has he has Louis Vuitton sandals on. You know <laughs> you know and, and he walks in and man and he is dressed. He is well fed. He's well catered to. Then you look at his sheep. His sheep are limping. His sheep are underfed. His sheep are depressed and and his sheep just they can't even make it across. They're so Full of wants and needs. You, you wouldn't say, Man, that's a great shepherd. Look at him. Look how well he's dressed. Look at the way he walks. Look at the way he talks. No, a good shepherd is depicted by the quality of the life he gives the sheep. It doesn't matter how the shepherds are, you look at the sheep. If the sheep are fed, well taken care of, combed, groomed, they're happy. That is a good shepherd. And the same thing, Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd, I give my life for the sheep. And so, literally, it means, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in lack or or without. Other translations, God's word translations, the Lord is my shepherd, I am never in need. They amplified, the Lord is my shepherd to feed, guide, and shield me, I shall not lack. Lack. And many translations, I mean, so many I, I have multitude translations. Most of them will say, "I lack for nothing. I lack for nothing. I'm supplied fully." Those type of things." So the Lord is our shepherd, and it says, "We lack for nothing. Do you think that that word has tapered off when, and it was only good for up to the first? 5,000 years, but once it comes to these end days, you know, you may be in want. You know, my supply will run out. No, God's words are eternal. God's, this is for our age, that no matter, if the gas goes up, $10 a gallon. You know, many of you think, oh my God, oh my God, I'm going to get a bicycle. Well, those are your thoughts. We ought to be saying, I shall not want. I'll have a full tank. If, if prices go up, God's supplies goes up in my life. I shall not lack. I shall not want. And all of these promises—I mean, I, I would just love to go through each one. Uh, he restores your soul, spirit, soul, and body. He will take care of you. But let's look at verse in chapter. I'm at verse five, Psalm 23, verse five. The first thing he says: I will not lack. I shall not want. If the the Lord is my shepherd, I'll not want, no matter what goes on. Verse 5, and there's so many wonderful components I'd love to teach on, but we just don't have time. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of my enemies. What what a truth. Thou anointest my head with oil. That's another wonderful truth, that no matter what's going on, the anointing's there. The anointing actually, you put oil on a person's head, uh, and it would shield them from the sun. They would actually be refreshed no matter how hot things go. How I many of the joy of the Lord is their strength? That, that no matter what's going on in the world, Job says that destruction and famine, thou shalt laugh. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The anointing. That no matter what's going on, everybody is singing doom, gloom, and agony on me. I'm singing joy and victory all the days of my life. The anointing. The anointing. Thou anoint my head with oil. But then he says something very interesting. The Lord is my shepherd. My cup runneth over. I shall not want or lack. My cup. So it's personal. My cup, your cup, runneth over. What's that mean? Well, very simple. They thought, oh, we have a glass here. That's great. You know, that's not a full glass. Now, they do it for a purpose because if it's full, then it'll spill. But um, what it denotes is when we fill a glass, when it's filled to the top, that means it's completely full. and We call that a full cup. Now, that... David is likened to his, his needs and his wants. It, that, um, you know, when all of our needs are met and all of our bills are paid, how many know that our, our, our cup is full? Full, you know, I'm fully, fully supplied. Nothing lacking, nothing missing. No, no space like here when, when our cup is full. And yet there are, there are, some, pretty, there are some pretty songs out there they are not scriptural. We used to sing it. You fill my cup. Well, we're, we're thinking just felt. No, God doesn't fill your cup until it's running over. So, in the mind of God, all your needs and all your wants, He not only fills your cup, but He wants your cup running over. What's that mean? Your bills are paid. You, 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 you got food, and you still you ha- you, you have money, you still have supply left over. God is not satisfied unless it's running over. That's the Lord's thinking. See, just to, just to be content on having all your needs or supply, number one is your thoughts, your default mode. It cuts out the supernatural supply of God. And also it's very just plain selfish. Just be taking care of you and yours. And that's all. No, God wants that all grace abound towards you. That you having all sufficiency in all things may abound in every good work. I just quoted 2 Corinthians chapter 9. What's that mean? That not only are your needs met, but it's abounding and you got extra. And that way you can help others. Yeah. You can help magnificent. You can help missionaries. You can help your neighbors. Because yours is already, your cup's already full. And you start blessing people with the running over. This is God's will for our life. He doesn't fill our cup. He overflows our cup. And and you study, and I'm looking forward to getting the examples. You know, another case example is Peter. He caught nothing in his fishing business. Toiled all night. Toiled, toiled, toiled. In his own mind, his own strength, and his own business sense, he came up short. A lot of businesses have come up short during this COVID thing. Well, that's natural ways and natural thoughts. But he gives his business unto the Lord to use for the Lord. He honors the Lord with his business. He allows the master to use his boat. And Jesus said, go, go now. After you, you've honored me first, you honored the work of God first. Go now and do your business. You know what Peter said? Default mode. Remember, Lord, I've done this. We toiled all night, caught nothing. But he said, Nevertheless, at Thy word, I'll let down my net. Jesus told him nets. Peter let down one net, one net. And what happened is he let down the net. Uh, not only were the the nets the net filled it was breaking, it was overflowing, and it was sinking the boat, that had to hire other people to carry the fish. That satisfies God. God was not satisfied where Peter, yeah, yeah, we, we broke even today with our fish haul. We bro- we'd be able to pay all the staff, and, and we'd go home and, and we broke even. He was not satisfied with that. He's not satisfied until your cup overflows. And we, we have to be thinking, overflowing. God's a God of overflowing. And uh, turn with me let, let's, how much we got oh, we got about five minutes. And uh, let's turn with me to Genesis chapter. 12. I was going to take us and look at the redemptive names of God. God in the Old Testament would reveal himself to his people through his name. And there were seven main redemptive names. Of course, one of them was Jehovah Jireh. We have songs about that. Many of us know what that means. The Lord is my provider. When God revealed Himself to His covenant people, He revealed Himself. I will supply for you. Now remember, Philippians four nineteen. But my God shall supply all of your needs. What according to His riches and glory? That's what He's talking about. He, the Old Testament. I will supply, and we see this in the wilderness. When the children of Israel wandered for 40 years in the wilderness before they got into the promised land, there was no Walmart there. No Topps Market. Yes, brothers and sisters, there was no Starbucks or even Tim's. There was no mass supply of water. There, w- there was no food in the desert. And yet for 40 years, he supplied he sustained them. He, he rained bread from heaven every day. Every day from heaven, bread would appear on the ground. And fed two to three million people for 40 years. And when they wanted, when they got tired of bread, they wanted meat. He, he sent a wind and quail just filled and fed. And they, they had so much, they vomited out of their mouth. In the wilderness, where there was no stores, when there was no natural supply there, God supplied. And He revealed, That's my name, Jehovah Jireh. I will supply. Elijah, when he had to go in hiding, he hid himself, he couldn't be seen in the store. What did God do? God brought food to him via ravens I will supply it doesn't matter what the economy is doing in Elijah's day the economy was bad in the wilderness there is no economy there is no stores there is no markets but yet God will supply and God is the same yesterday today, and forever. But another name, he revealed himself, is to Abram or Abraham, and maybe you've heard this name, Al Shaddai. And we know what that means. It means God Almighty or the God who is more than enough. We have songs. You're more than enough. I'm not going to sing it for you, but we used to sing it here. He is the God who is more than enough. Again, when God reveals himself, he reveals himself to who he is and what he will do. I am Jehovah Jireh. I am your provider. I am El Shaddai. I am all powerful and I will take care of you. I will provide for you. And for you to be in want, it means that God has died. God's ways and means are not bound by earthly economies, earthly supply. It's proven throughout all the Bible. Now, when, when God appeared to Abraham in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, maybe we'll just kind of set this up the stage for the next time we're here. Now, the Lord said to Abraham, Abram, Get thee out of thy country and out of thy kindred, out of thy father's house to the land that I will show thee. And that's a type of, of being born again, getting out of the devil's household, getting into the household of God. And notice when we, when we come into God's household and God's obedience. Notice what God says. I will make thee a great nation. I will bless thee. I will make thy name great. And you will be a blessing. And I will bless them. That bless thee, I will curse him that curses thee, and all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So God reveals himself as Al Shaddai, and he says to Abraham, you know, you understand, God was the original Godfather. God gave Abram a proposition he could not refuse. He says, Abraham, you serve me and allow me to be your God. This is what I'm going to do for you. And it's a sevenfold blessing. Notice how many times I will bless thee. You shall be a blessing. The blessing, the al-shaddai in effect. Now, why in the world is it so important that we look at Abraham? Galatians 3, 13, 14, real quick. Christ, Galatians 3, 13. Christ hath redeemed us. Oh, there it is. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, as it's written, curse is everyone that hangeth on the tree. Now notice this, very important, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Notice that when we become born again, Jesus redeems us from the curse. And we'll look at that eventually. Not, we don't have time today. Maybe next time. And notice what becomes ours. The blessing of what? Abraham. What is the blessing of Abraham? We just read it. So let's read it again. So what Abraham got... Belongs to you and I when we're born again. And let's start with verse 2, Genesis 12, 2. And I will make thee a great nation. I will bless thee, I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. I will bless them that bless thee, I will curse them that curses you, and all the families there shall be blessed. That means everyone that's around us will be blessed. This is Al Shaddai. But in the New Testament, it says what Abraham has, what I gave him in this shadow, I give to every one of my children. It doesn't seem like there's want. It doesn't seem like there's lack. Here, Christ died to give us the blessing of Abraham. Now, real quick, what's this blessing look like? Now be real quick back there, because I, I don't want to take too much time. Genesis 13:1 through2. After God blessed them, and, and Abraham gave his life to God, Abraham went out of Egypt, and he and his wife and all they had and lot with them to south. Notice this: and Abraham was very rich in cattle, silver and gold. Why is it important that the blessing of Abraham might come upon you, Al Shaddai? New Testament. This is what Jesus died for—for us to have this. Now, cattle's not my thing, but you have to understand. What is cattle? Food, steaks, filet mignon, t-bones, ribeye. You know. And it was a means of trading. He was very rich in supply, food, sustenance. He was very rich in silver and gold. What is that? The blessing of Abraham. God says, if you'll serve me, I will bless you. Do you think God upheld this in the bargain? It's looking very good. Why is this important? What God gave to Abraham belongs to us in Christ Jesus. The blessing of Abraham will make us very rich. Well, I don't believe that. That's why we're teaching this. You think wrong. You believe wrong. Well, I think we just ought to be meager and be content to ourselves. You can be selfish if you want to and just take care of yours. We're talking overflowing that way. You know what? Magnificent ought to be easily paid off missionaries would come in we ought to be able to raise tens of thousand of dollars A missionary comes hey let's, let's buy that jeep for you let's let's buy that van what, what do you have need for our needs are fully supplied and the blessing of abraham will supply your needs as well okay and let, let's read on uh genesis 13 5 through 6 and i love this and i wish we had time to come and lot also He just got near the man of God and went with Abram and had flocks and herds and tents and the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together for their substance, what? Was great, they could not dwell together. You know what that's saying? He had too much. You go to the pantry There's not enough space. You go to your closet, there's not enough space. You go to your barn, there's not enough space. You're being excessive, exactly. God's thoughts. Everything I'm sharing with you is Bible. The world will tell you, the devil will tell you to think small, and, 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 and that way you shut off what God will do for you. God gets no glory, and you just being in default mode. The blessing of Abraham. And now my time is 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 so gone, and I'm just getting started. But that's the beauty. But can I can I just give you one more thought? You know, folks, always liked him. Abraham was probably a good businessman, and uh, he probably had. Good wits, maybe, maybe had a master's degree or something like that. You, you don't see the success until he meets up with God. That's right, right? That's right. That's good. He wasn't very rich when God met him. Yeah. He 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 was still living with his parents. He was living in his parents' basement, wow. like so many young people today. Then, but he got a hold of God, and God enlarged him. And prospered him. Real, real quick, real quick, and I promise, up close, at least for a little bit. Genesis fourteen twenty two. You read about Abram, the man who was living in his daddy's basement. Gets a hold of God. God that makes him. His nephew Lot had so much substance that they had to separate. We just we can't live. My barns aren't big enough for your stuff and my stuff. You know, there's not enough land between all of our goods and our cattle. You're going to have to go away and separate between us. Well, when he separated, um, there was a war going on, and Lot got captured because he, he dwelt in Sodom. And so Sodom, the king of Sodom, all the people of Sodom, and all the treasures of Sodom were taken. But because Abraham's nephew was in Sodom, Abraham rescued him with 30 armed men. 300, excuse me, 300 armed men. He, Abraham had an army. He, he was the original godfather. Imagine that, living from his, in his parents' basement, being very rich, and had uh, he had 300 armed men. Well, I just don't believe in that exactly. That's why we don't see this type of thing. And I'm not talking about having 300, but just means and ability and help and you need something I can pay for the plumber I can pay for the carpenter I can pay for anything I need and so he rescues lot now listen to this and Abraham and the king of Sodom is so grateful for rescuing these people he says you know what just give me my people back and all the stuff that this army took from me and my people, you keep that as a payment for rescuing us. And Abraham said to King of Sodom, I have lifted my hands to the Lord, the Most High, Possessor of heaven and earth. I will not take from thee a thread, even a shoelace. I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I've made Abram rich. What is he saying? He could have had a lot of money from this. He says, I'm not going to take anything that's yours. Because you're going to go around, you're the one that made me rich. Who made Abram rich? His education? No. His business sense? No. I've lifted my hands. See, that's why when you worship God, you ought to lift your hands. I lift my hands. Part of our covenant, the Lord being our shepherd, is for us to be fully supplied like Abram, we're gonna to have to put it on pause brothers and sisters and build on this we're enlarging our thinking God is not satisfied until we experience the fullness of all that he has you know God's not satisfied if you're sickly he wants you whole God is not satisfied if you're living in sin he wants you sin free God is not satisfied if you're in lack he wants you fully supplied. let us pray father we're just so grateful and thankful Lord, just help us. There's so much in these areas. In this area, this area needs to hear these things. As as these wicked spirits have so worked hard to keep this area under oppression, depression, thinking small, and believing small. Father, your word is not bound. And Father, I I thank you that this word is getting into the hearts of the people. And not only changing our lives, but changing our area. Father, to the glory of God. With heads bowed and eyes closed, this morning we talked about God's supernatural supply, how God wants to take good care of us. Maybe you hear this, maybe old, new to you, maybe you're watching and say, I, I don't know about that, but we, we taught you from the Bible. And we want to encourage you just to be open and, and continue to listen on. Again, the Bible is God's thoughts. We have our thoughts about things. We must embrace God's thoughts about things. And uh, that's a beautiful thing when we come into A covenant relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ we become a recipient of all that God has promised and provided but real quick if there's anybody here this morning or anyone watching online that uh, you're not in covenant with God how do you become a covenant with God Jesus said this way you must be born again you know going to church doesn't make you a Christian going You know, keeping the Ten Commandments doesn't make you a Christian. Being born again does. And Jesus said no man will enter, will get into heaven without being born again. Why is that? We've all sinned, come short of the glory of God. That if we sin once in our life, and we all have, that will keep us out of God, uh, from the kingdom of God. And there is no natural remedy for sin. Only the blood of God. Only the blood of Jesus. That's why the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of Jesus shall be saved. So, Real quick, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Is there anybody here? You've never been born again. And right now, you want to be born again. We can show you how. We're not going to embarrass you. Would you raise your hand? Anybody here? You've never been born again. Just raise your hand, for I can see it. Once I see your hand, you can put it down. We are not going to embarrass anybody. Now, how do you know you need to do this? He says, well, you're just talking. No, the Spirit of God will bear witness with your heart. On the inside, something is, oh, I need to do that. That is Jesus knocking at the door of your heart. That's how real, how personal God is. Your your mind may say, "Well, I've been a member of this church from from years. I'm a good person." Those things don't get us into heaven. Being born again, the Spirit of God will bear witness with your spirit right now. If you're, you're, you're on the inside, your belly, your, your conscience is saying, "Man, I need to do that." That's how awesome God is. He is reaching out to you personally. That's how real God is. What an awesome God we serve. Is anybody? One last time, anybody, you feel that tug in their heart wants to be born again. Raise your hand. And again, when you raise your hand, we're not going to embarrass you. We're just going to acknowledge it, and then uh, we're going to pray. And if you're watching online, I can't see your hand, but God can. Go ahead and raise your hand right now. I'm going to give one more invitation. Maybe you're hearing, yeah, I've been born again. You, you are a child of God, but you're what we call backslidden The Bible calls a prodigal son or daughter. You're away from God. And your heart tells you that and you want to come back home like the prodigal son you come to your senses It's so much better being in God's house And if that's you would you raise your hand anybody here anybody here you want to rededicate your life to the Lord? I know we're here into mostly home folks, but if you're watching online go ahead and raise your hand and if you raised your hand and Anyone those invitations right now call on God. How do you do that? Just a simple prayer like this say dear God I believe that Jesus is your son I believe he died and he rose again for me and right now I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior and if you prayed that prayer watching online go ahead and contact us let us know we want to rejoice with you and also we want to help you get started in your new walk with God amen praise the Lord while we trust you were helped and blessed we're enlarging our thinking together Uh, What we're going to do is the worship team, we're going to just end the service directing our hearts to the Lord, thanking Him for what we've heard and allowing Him to speak in our lives. Then we'll, we'll dismiss it, but if you want to pray with us for the Miracle Crusade, we'll be praying for about 10 minutes, and then we can carry on our Memorial Day festivities. Go ahead, worship team.